Welcome to ASME TechCast, where we bring you the innovators, the innovations, and the issues that push the envelope of engineering. I'm Alan Brown, Senior Editor at Mechanical Engineering Magazine. In this episode, we will be speaking with Charles Henley about ASME's new non-metallic pressure piping systems standards. Charles is a mechanical engineer who has worked in and around piping for nearly 35 years. He is currently Chief Engineer of Piping and Material Applications for Kiwit, one of the nation's largest construction and engineering companies. And he is Vice President of ASME's Non-Metallic Pressure Piping Systems Committee, which wrote the new standards. Charles, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. So let's jump right in. 20 years ago, if someone had used the words plastic and pressure piping in the same sentence, they would have been laughed out of the room. Yet today, pressure piping made out of plastic is everywhere. What's happened? So a lot of it is as we have innovated more with regards to types of materials available, types of polymers that are available to us, the ability to manufacture them in composite methods with more than one material involved. It's really created a whole family of materials that have a lot higher strength and desirable engineering properties that we can utilize in higher stress, higher temperature, and more critical applications than we've ever been able to do before. There are some reasons that plastic is preferable to metal. The single biggest advantage is corrosion control. If you look at most reports with regards to infrastructure in the U.S. and crumbling infrastructure, corrosion is the single highest driving mechanism for that. Non-metallics essentially almost eliminate any traditional corrosion controls. It creates other additional design challenges, but corrosion control is by far the single biggest reason to utilize it. It also has some advantages for food products or other kinds of bioprocessing kind of applications because it can be a cleaner material sometimes than their metallic counterparts are. Why do we need new non-metallic pressure pipe standards? Don't we already have standards for this? I mean, people have been installing it for certainly longer than a decade. That's correct. Most standards that have been developed fall into two categories. They fall into either what I would call as product standards, where it talks about a specific family of materials, something like PVC or CPVC or high-density polyethylene. These are material types. It's a manufacturing standard, but it doesn't give any criteria with regards to how to design with it, how to install it, whether or not you're making a good weld. To address those kinds of issues, what what individual manufacturers of these products have done is they've developed their own sets of standards. And the challenge with that is, is that in the industry, there's been no one single point for getting information on how to design and construct non-metallic piping systems. And then also, it might change from one project to another because individual company standards change. And so there was a need for standardization for these materials. How does ASME's new standard differ from other standards used in the industry? The single biggest difference is, is it covers 
from the beginning of the material specifications and product selection all the way to the final installation and testing of the system. And so it covers material selection, it covers design requirements, it covers manufacturing requirements, and it covers installation, examination, and testing requirements. So really beginning to the end. And we're even starting to now look into how do we look at this as an asset management point of view as far as inspections and things through the life of the unit. So it treats it like a system. Totally. As a matter of fact, that goes by the name of the standards. They're non-metallic pressure piping system standards rather than just piping product standards. So could you give me two or three examples maybe of some of the things that these standards address that sort of fall between the gaps of other standards out there? Two or three areas that are really different on it. The first one is the fact that it looks at how do I do not just stress analysis for determining wall thickness from a who pressure point of view, but how do I look at it from a flexibility standpoint? As we've moved into using these in higher temperature and higher pressure applications, the need for full flexibility analysis needed to be evaluated. So we have rules for flexibility requirements. We have rules in there for as you install it, bonder requirements or welding requirements of these. It is very common in the metal industry, we would never strike an arc or weld a piece of metal without having a weld procedure, a qualification process for that welding procedure, and then a qualification process for the operator performing that procedure. But yet people felt like anyone could install plastic pipe. Anyone can glue PVC because they've done that in their basement. But when you're using it in high temperature, high pressure applications, you really need those same fabrication controls similar to like what you would have on metals. And so we covered this in a very similar kind of fashion with the PVC and leveraged what we already were utilizing in ASME for the metals requirements. And then the third area, we carry that same quality control standard into the field and how to install a system, what examinations need to be done to ensure that you have a reliable system and that it has got an acceptable level of flaws or indications in it because you never have a perfect installation. So what is acceptable? And so we provide those acceptance standards in that final installation. So those are three big areas looking at it completely as a total system. So is this going to make life easier for engineers that say manufacturers, contractors, owner operators? Oh, definitely. I mean, I work for an engineering construction firm, right? And the biggest challenge we've had with utilizing these materials is the rules literally change from project to project to project. And so you're looking for one single method of doing something that everyone recognizes and you can develop your internal work processes around. The other thing is that this is a one single point of reference to go to for these materials. So you're not having to go, well, I need to go to this area over here for the product standard and for design rules go to this area over here and how we install it and test it is in a third reference over here. We've got these all pulled together in one single point of reference. Instead of having one big standard, ASME actually issued three separate standards. So why did your committee do that? What are the three standards and what do they cover and who should use them? That is correct. NM1 covers what's called thermoplastics. NM2 covers reinforced thermal sets. And then NM3 is where we put all our material property data out separately. 
okay? So that's the three basic standards. And the reason why they were grouped that way is there are very different requirements for thermoplastics, things like PVCs, high-density polyethylenes, very different than a reinforced thermal set, which would be like an FRP pipe. So there's very different rules associated with these and completely different manufacturing processes. And so if we felt like having individual standards for those that cover the unique criteria and the unique requirements for it was the best path to go with on this. The reason for the third standard, the material property standards, is we leveraged and we looked at what works well in the metals world, right? And if you look at the boiler pressure vessel code, we have multiple standards for different types of products, section one for power boilers, and then section eight for pressure vessels. But yet there's a single point of reference for material specifications, allowable stresses, material property data, mechanical properties. And so we really mimicked that with NM3. And we said, let's create a equivalent of the metals section two in our books. And that way, this becomes the single repository for non-metallic material properties for the ASME system. And so that's the reason for the third book. The difference between a thermoset and a thermoplastic, a thermoplastic, it's flexible, it melts. And a thermoset tends to be like the epoxy bonds you make. They're much more rigid. They're less flexible. They do not melt, at least not the same way. And they probably bond differently too. Very differently. And a lot of the thermoplastics, you could actually heat the material up and fusion weld it together. Just heat it up to the point where it's almost melting, press it together and it will fuse together on its own. You look at a thermal set and you have to use a glue joint. You have to use a bonded type of joint. And then there's multiple types of bonded joints, but there's no way to heat that material up, soften it, and just fusion it together the way that you can do with a lot of thermoplastics. And so you're exactly right. People ask me, what's the difference between a thermoplastic and a thermal set? And basically, I always say a thermoplastic, you can heat it up and melt it, right? And reform it into something else. And a thermal set is a chemical reaction during its manufacturing in which then you can't reheat it and reform it into something new. You know, one other question I wanted to ask you, what kind of industries are going to be using these? You know, where, where are these things used now and where are they likely to be used in the future? So you find non-metallics being used more and more all the time across all industries. We see it in the oil and gas industry because of corrosion control. We see it in the power industry if you're using highly corrosive water or you've got a high soil area. You're seeing it in the water industry for water transport, for desalinization, again, a high corrosion application. We see it in what I call bioprocessing equipment, so animal food processing, things like that, partially because of cleanliness control and partially because of sanitary reasons on it. And then you also start seeing it in cooling water applications, things that are sensitive to cleanliness of cooling water. So you're seeing in chip manufacturing for cooling, in data centers for the cooling water associated for data centers. We're really seeing this blossom across all industries is utilization. And I'm not saying it can be used everywhere metals can be used. That's not the case, but there are definitely places where it is a technically superior product and maybe a more cost-effective product as compared to metal counterparts. And the new standards will make it easier for people to specify with confidence. 
That is correct. Specify and design. Really, it allows the end owner to specify and know that he's going to get the same quality and product quality in this installation as well as the next installation because it's all being done to the same standard. Great. Anything I didn't ask you that I should have? The only other thing I will mention is one uniquely different thing about these standards that were sort of fun to work on is I came from a metals background and I got to transfer over into working with a group of non-metals guys. And these are guys who have never worked on the metal side. So these guys developed a set of standards. And when I say these guys, it's the guys on the committee, right? I was the chairman, but I'm not the technical expert. I'm just leading the effort. These guys had the opportunity to develop a set of standards on a product that's been traditionally custom designed and to find ways to standardize it. So this is a set of standards that were developed by subject matter experts in this specific area and how uniquely that is different than some other standards where you're trying to put maybe non-metallics into a metallic standard and you don't have those specific subject matter experts involved with it. And that was a really enjoyable part of this and I think it helps in the quality of these standards and the use of these standards. Excellent. Thank you, Charles Henley. I'm Alan Brown, and thank everyone for listening to ASME TechCast. You can find their other TechCast episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and other popular podcasting platforms. 